only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's good, my friends? Welcome to the Bouldage Podcast, episode 103. Give her what she needs, not what she wants. Now, as always, this tasty episode is brought to you by bouldojo.com, where you guys can pick up my ebook, The Crash Course to Kick Ass Day Game, Quick Action Guide to Get You Out There, Take an Action, Get On There with a 30 Day Challenge, and Get Your Day Game Sorted. You can also book in for one on one Skype coaching, where we dive into your limiting beliefs, set up action plans, get you executing in your life, in all areas of life, in all areas of the temple. And for those of you that are interested in becoming a bowl insider, that's when you dive into ongoing packages in which that you get a whole bunch of perks that I just can't do for uh, once-offs on the outside. You know, you get access to private messaging with me on WhatsApp within 24 hours. You get access to preferred session bookings. There's a whole bunch of shit that goes down there. And of course, that bootcamp, baby. The deep immersive day game bootcamp for those of you that are looking to have the foundations of your path laid out, to have the illumination of what you need to do in your social skill set to get out there. Be the direct, congruent, authentic man you always know you could be. You guys can send me messages and inquiries through that. Of course, we've just done a huge run through the US and Canada. I'm not looking to do too much more international traveling, uh, special cases only, but Australia is coming up hot now. So for those of you that are looking to come down to Australia, get your bookings in early, send me the inquiries. I can hear you up with all the details there. Now, if you guys would like to support this podo, you can do so directly by donating anything that you wish to the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash ADAM. OOI and uh, anything that you guys give is ridiculously, tremendously appreciated. It blows my fucking mind. So thank you for that, my friends. Now in today's session, we go deep, extremely deep into the one-on-one context of one of my previous bootcamp clients who years down through the journey has found himself in this relationship and was causing all-time levels of psychological pain and trauma for this woman by enabling her attachment, deep-seated attachment. And we're this gets very very passionate, extremely emotional, and please bear with the context, because what I do is that I read through the session notes, and I, I piece it together for your benefit. So for the first maybe half of the podcast, it might be a little choppy, but towards the end, we really start to drill into some deep principles, some real deep shit. So uh, yeah, I wish you guys, I wish you the best with this session. It's not going to be something you can just easily digest it's going to require some brain power so if you're up for it you're up for evolving and growing this is going to be the podcast for you so that being said dive in and i'll catch you at the end yo what's good my friends welcome back to the bdp 103 give her what she needs not what she wants today we have got possibly the most horrific relationship story i've ever heard in my entire life it's straight from a private one-on-one session i had with one of my clients so i'm gonna have to be very very uh cautious with the details, with the names and with the locations and just the absolute shit show that went down between these two. That's the context for today. And really, just before we do get in here, what it's going to be about is the amount of pain that was caused in this relationship by this guy towards this girl. Not saying that he didn't feel any pain whatsoever, but the tremendous level of psychological trauma that she went through that she didn't have to go through because he was not willing to be a direct, congruent and authentic man. You know, I've spoken and I've made a lot of content on the Mr. Nice Guy. I made a lot of content on this, so many different videos, several different podcasts as well, full length is just hours and hours on this thing. But what's so unique about this today is that this is the full play. You know, when in almost all of my other Mr. Nice Guy content, it always centers around the initial approach. It always centers around the initial interaction 
maybe getting into and then getting into the dates, getting into day twos, getting into day threes, and how that neediness, how that attachment, how that non-willingness to set the frame and to be the alpha masculine stronghold that the woman needs you to be, how that's not all there and how that just causes and excludes you from ever having a truly sexually polarized relationship and never being able to realize that that freedom of choice and that that abundance in your life. That's where normally, if they, I've never discussed it at this late in the stage though. Well, it seems late in the game. It seems late in the game, but it's not. Let me just get a sip of this much. Oh, that is rich. That is rich. Come by. Shout out to the Matcha fam. Oh, yes. This is, uh, we'll talk more about the tea in a second. We'll talk more about the tea in a second. Just I want to get past this context to begin with. Sometimes we fap around too much of the context. So, so it's so it's, it's a story with one of my clients that I literally just got done coaching with. Uh, I think it was about two days ago, and I put up something on the gram. Shout out to We Tang One. If you haven't, if you're not there, better get there. Follow me up. And I just realized that I need to make a podcast on this. That's what I was saying late in the game. That this is Mr. Nice Guy on steroids taking the full play. This is what it looks like when if you somehow get to a relationship what that does over two years, what that does very specifically to this guy within the two years, but also towards the last two months and just the pain, just the trauma that it causes. And so that's that's where we're going with this today. I've got my session notes. I've got my session notes. Normally I have an email to read out. I've got my session notes to go through here. And while there's a tremendous amount of them, I won't go through all of them. I'll just pick out the ones, cherry pick the ones that are the highlights and the things that you guys are going to get the most value from. So let me get back to this tea for a second. <laughs> I hope you guys are well. hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, drop a thumbs up down below. Drop me a comment as well. Let me know which, how you've been feeling about the content recently, the uh, social Q&A lives every Friday. Hope you guys have been enjoying that and also the uh, audio strips that have been going on the podcast as well. So I wanted to make a special shout out to this matcha. Oh man, just before we kick it, it's just because this is, uh, I ran out of matcha, matcha last sesh on the last Q&A, but I picked up some new stuff from the Tea Catcher here in Adelaide. Shout out to Stu. If you're going to be getting matcha, please get your matcha from him. He, this is M7 level straight from uh, straight from Kyoto. I'm not sure which part which which part of Kyoto it's from. It's it's on the packet, but but this is legit. This is legit matcha, which is just a farm. Like, you know, T2 is good matcha, but it's, not, it's nothing like this. This is blowing my mind right now. I've only had two sips. So shout out to Stu at the Tea Catcher. This is not sponsored. But if you're in Adelaide, get your matcha. Get all your tea from him. Is uh, catch my plant for. It's good, good stuff. All right. So this is not the matcha podcast, but hopefully a lot of you have got your matcha with you. So let's do this. Yes. I'm just going to dive into my session notes. I mean... This So to give you some context, because these session notes are not like, uh, they're not a session summary for all my clients, for all my uh, Skype coaching clients. And actually, I need to give you more context as to who he is in our relationship. But let me just stay with this for a second. I always send an email summary in the post once I get my thoughts together. Just a few little keys, just a few things for them to take away from the session and move forward with. That's not this. I might get into some of that because that's more polished later on. But this is just my session notes during the actual session. And it's a very, very long story. I'll say this. I pretty much stood there in absolute presence, in absolute maximum attention, listening to his story. We haven't spoken in a year and a half coming into this session. So I guess I start with that. Oh, hold on. Let me finish that thought. So I stood there for like 53 minutes, not saying anything, just like nodding along, taking down notes, and then hit him hard because he had to get the story out. 
And that's actually going to play into a bit of a session as well. So if it's, I'm, I know I'm, I'm dropping a lot of hooks here. I'm dropping a lot of unfinished threads because there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to cover. I'm going to slow down with this. So I'll start off with my relationship uh, with him and keeping things as private as possible, but just so you guys get the gist. So he was one of my, uh, I think he was my second bootcamp client that I coached in Sydney. So he's a bootcamp client from many years ago in Sydney, uh, old time Mr. Nice Guy when it comes to the initial interaction. When it came to just literally just going up to the girl on the street in the middle of the day, you know, he was, he's, this is the guy, for those of the OGs of this channel, you may have heard me reference a story of one of my clients that had such good memorization skills, had such a, was cognitively so on point that he could memorize the toolbox of game, my system and AM, open uh, qualification investment close, and he could get through all of that, just structure for structure, with no issue. Yet, he was probably the number one worst at conveying actual masculine intent i made uh it actually there's a video called uh why she's always going to see you as a boy or why she will never see you as a man something like that it's in the best of best playlist i'm wearing a denim jacket it's in Himeji garden and something like that is but it's it's a few years old now and i mentioned him in that video in that that i had once had this client that could literally get on instant dates with girls which for those of you that don't know, is going out to go in the middle of the day, random person you don't know, take him through an interaction and then take him for a quick coffee, quick tea, or just go for a walk. Or even actually, an instant date is not about what you're doing. It's about taking them into a deeper bubble. So an instant date can actually just happen three feet over as long as you move them into a deeper bubble and you shift the energy of the interaction. All, all things that are not relevant to this podcast, but just for those who aren't enlightened. And he was so good at that. He could do that. And just follow that system repeatedly, but get girls to go on these instant dates with him. Even And I remember specifically in Sydney to go for tea, to go for coffee with him, which is even more of a time investment. And at the end of them, at the end of these interactions, they would say to him, well, well, this was nice. This was nice. Yeah. So it was, we, I'm really glad to have met a nice new friend. <laughs> which of course is like, I'm laughing, but it's brutal. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And this is just, this has been his story for a long time. Like that's just a paint that he was like probably the number one Mr. Nice Guy I've ever met. And so it's like, if you're, you're such a nice guy that you could get a girl to take time out of her day to just go have coffee with you, even though she has a boyfriend and she has no sexual intent with you, no sexual interest in you whatsoever, just that you're just such a nice guy. You are so friendly of a person that this woman is willing to do this. You know, it's, it, it seems like a good thing, but to like people who are, I don't know, insane <laughs> it sounds like it it sounds like a good skill to have it's not <laughs> it's not well it is but it isn't it is because it shows that you've got such an awesome command of rapport and the ability to listen to the person in front of you which are all great skills and yes the investment stage of an interaction is very important but it's not more important than qualification it's not more important than setting the, ma the masculine to feminine frame no sir so so anyways, he was just the number one. That's just giving you a bit of backstory on him. He's an older guy as well. Uh, I would say he was when we met, he was late 30s. He was late 30s at the time. And I'm not going to uh, get into any more details beyond that because uh, stuff's going to get real personal when we get into this relationship story. So uh, that's just the context on him. Ultimate Mr. Nice Guy and throughout all of our time in post boot camp working together as well. He just always struggled. He, he could go on dates really regularly. He had a very successful... 
high success rate on conversion from numbers to day twos, from initial interactions to getting the girl to come out two days later, three days later. He had extremely high conversion rates. However, actually getting into sexually polarized relationships, actually getting into sexual intimacy, it was never there. It's always his number one sticking point over the years. And so we haven't spoken in a year and a half. And he would message, we didn't, we didn't have like the, after boot camp, maybe you'd message me once every t- two weeks, maybe once a month or so and check in. And actually we had a few in-person sessions in between the last over the years. However, I haven't heard from him in a whole year and a half, not since I did an in-person session with him a year and a half ago. And, and I thought that was a bit strange because I normally hear from him more frequently, but actually it made more sense now when he said, Adam, I need to speak to you and he booked this 60-minute session. We dived in a couple of days ago. So let me reset here. So yes, I felt it was important for you guys to have that context around him. Now going to this relationship, that's the session now. So, and you know, when I titled this video, you got to give her what she needs, not what she wants. That's a nice little, that's a nice little tasty bite to hook you in. And now you're going to see why. You're going to see why, and you're going to see where all this pain comes from if you continue to be a Mr. Nice Guy. like You you can cure your Mr. Nice Guy. It's a step-by-step thing from the initial interaction, from the day two, from the initial first sexual experience. But if you can't maintain those principles in the long play, you still, it's like, there's no safe zone. That's what I'm trying to say is that there's no sprinting. There's no, there's no timeouts with the Mr. Nice Guy. At some point, if you've got this neediness, and when I say Mr. Nice Guy, it's just like a short wrap-up for essentially the inability to hold a masculine frame, the inability to be a direct, congruent, and authentic man. That's what I'm saying there. So he comes in a couple of days ago. It was actually about a week ago, but he sets up for the 60-minute session. We dive in a couple of days ago, and yet yeah, what I said before, now it's going to make more sense. I stood there, because I do standing sessions, stand up, for 53 minutes, essentially, just listening. Just listening, just nodding along, prying with different questions, but for the most part, just listening. Listening to the insanity of this story and listening to the insanity of the minute details, which at the time was confusing me. I was like, why is he going into such minute details about this relationship stuff with this girl he's been seeing? And it, the stuff he's telling me, and I'm just telling you this right now so you get the frame of mind that I'm in, before I dive into my session notes, because it's not going to seem like, a, maybe it's not going to seem like it's making a lot of sense if I just went straight into the session notes. So I'm just prepping you. But at the time, I was like, is this ever going to get to a point? I was like, it's just like 20 minutes in, half an hour in, 40 minutes in, and there doesn't seem to be a point to all the stuff he's telling me. But actually, it was the minutia. When I look back on the session now, and I look back on the last seven minutes, which I went ham on him for, and just was able to, was because... It was the day-to-day psychological trauma that was the point of why he had to come to speak to me. So my session notes are obviously going to be a lot more concise than a 53-minute session, a 53-minute session. So let me just, I'm going to go through some of this because it's going to set you up the context. Be careful with some details here and let's, let's go. Taking us a bit of time, but I have to, I have to, because this is not like an email where someone just sent me an email. This is in the... This is in the weeds. Like, this is real shit. This is from people that I actually work with. And uh, yeah, he's late, late 30s as well. So, session notes here for yet. So, I'm just going to run through these as quickly as I can, except for the ones that mean the most. So, here we go. Okay. Been seeing the same girl on and off, daily basis texting. Uh, One reason why he subconsciously didn't keep up approaching. Uh, After he met her, went on a date with other people, but nothing substantial. 
thought process, in his words, if I meet someone good in this city, I'm not going to say the name of the city, uh, I would verbally cut it off with her. And this is two years back, by the way. So he's been in this relationship with this woman for two years on and off is essentially the context at the beginning. What he's telling me so far. Um, They lived together for a whole month. Uh, He felt the attraction was dropping, actively looking for someone in that city. She felt he wasn't paying her enough attention. Moving through here, he thought it was over. She messaged back wanting to stay in touch. So that's what I mean by on and off at this stage. It's like in this two years of them knowing each other. By the way, this is through cold approach as well. Every woman he meets is through cold approach, which is, I know that's like, to me, that's really awesome. (laughs) To me, that's really awesome because uh, even to this day, three years after boot camp, still meeting girls through cold approach and still, like it just shows like it's a skill for life. And of course, I know this. I know this for my own skill set. I know this for my own daily life that at any moment I could just go out there and meet, bring new girls into my life. But for the absolute hardcore newbies out there, the absolute hard cases that are just like not quite sure if this is like ever going to pay off. And when I say pay off, I mean like, is this just like a short term thing? No, no. This guy is like, this, this guy's because one of my, I mean, I'm proud because he's one of my clients, but it's not just that. Like that he went through my system because I'm sure there's other good systems, but I know my system for sure 100% works. That this guy's just a testament to it. So, anyways, moving forward. Uh, so he's confused in the gray zone of whether to fully break up with her or let go during these two years. He's decided, and by the way, she's from another country. So I need to mention that out. She's from another country, not going to mention the country, and she's traveling back and forward to Australia for study. Okay. Anyways, moving on. He uh, decided he decided to ask her to be his girlfriend uh, earlier this year. I'm not I'm not gonna. Oh, can I say the month? Yeah, I can say the month in June. So we're in September right now. That's not that's not such a big giveaway. So in June, which is about we're in September now. So what's that like? July about about two and a half three months ago. About two and anywhere between two and a half three months ago, he asked this girl that he's been on and off with for about two years, and it's been back and forth, and he's asked her to be his girlfriend now and this is a key point this is like the first time that I was able to ask a real question I put it in bold caps here I asked him because it's been on and off and base and maybe I haven't done a good enough job just over the last five minutes painting that he's not really that into her maybe I've it, it, it comes a little bit later down in my notes but I know at this stage just for your guys context he's He's not that into her. It'll probably pop up in a second, but it's, I need to paint this for you now so you understand why I asked this question, which is that I gave him the the question of, on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being you sacrifice your life for this girl and zero being she's about as worth, worthy to you as a grain of sand, you know, how attracted to you are you to this girl? And he's like, about a five, about a five, four to five. Like, you see, she's, she's a nice girl. He's like, I'm physically attracted to, this is something that he said, I'm very physically attracted to her. However, I'm not psychologically or emotionally attracted to her, which if we can just take a pause here for a second and just bring you guys some tactics and some value, do you ever think that's going to be a good way to start a relationship? Do you ever think that's going to be a good place to start where you're physically attracted to the girl, but you're emotionally and psychologically not? It doesn't seem like such a good move, does it? It seems like quite a short-term play and that and that it actually seems like an aggressively dick move to get into a relationship with a girl to appease her just so you can keep getting physical stimulation from her. However, that's not the case here. And this is something that I said on the gram, which is that 
the thing with a Mr. Nice with his Mr. Nice Guy traits is that, and with this situation is that he's one of the nicest guys I know. He is probably the nicest guy I know. And in this relationship, and we're gonna get to this in a sec. Ah, oh, so I'm kind of jumping. I'm jumping. I'm jumping frogs here. I'm leaping frogs. Give me a second. Oh fuck, this matcha is good. So, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just making sure this is still recording. Good, <laughs> just making sure. So, so I, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself because I know what happens. So I'm gonna make sure that I keep stringing you guys along in the correct order of things. So let me park a pause there, but I just wanted to just keep you guys engaged. So I asked him this question. I said to I said to him, well, he says to me, I decided to ask her out to be my girlfriend in June. And I said to him, why did you ask her? Why did you ask her to be your girlfriend? Considering the fact that you're actually not that emotionally or psychologically attracted to her. And he said to me, I guess I felt desperate. I wanted to have someone in my life. I'd never had a serious girlfriend before. Even though not having strong feelings for her. I still asked her to be my girlfriend. I knew that she would sacrifice everything for me. I'm a nice guy, but I didn't say what I truly felt. Mm, breathe that in. Digest that. Digest that. Now, it's, this is the first real kind of stake in the field. This is the real, the first pillar we can start to build this podcast around. And where I wanted to go with this is that if you just really marinate on that, that from a place of desperation, from a place of just wanting to have someone in his life, and the fact that he never had a serious girlfriend before. Now, he's had many sexual experiences before, uh, on and off style stuff, but never in 30 plus years, getting towards 40, has he had a serious, committed, long-term relationship. And in the brackets, I put in my notes here that he said, even though he doesn't have the strong feeling for her, and he knew that, but he knew that she would sacrifice everything for him. And he said in his own words, but I'm a nice guy. So I didn't say what I truly felt because I thought I'd be breaking her heart. I thought I'd be being a dick if I, because she was essentially rearranging her entire life to come down to Australia, to rearrange her study just to be with him. You know, uh, I gave that scale before of like on a zero to 10, 10 being you'd sacrifice your life for her, zero being she's about worth of a grain of sand. She was on the flip. She was treating him as if that she would she uprooted her entire life for him. She would sacrifice her life for him. That she's in that frame of mind, but he's only feeling a five on that scale. But because of his Mister Nice Guy psychological psychological, I say misgiving. There, it's not just misgiving though. His psychological breakdown. The Mister Nice Guy here. The Mister Nice Guy lack the lack and the ability the lack of ability to actually just stay strong to what he's feeling inside, export that out towards her in an unfiltered manner, regardless of what that's going to mean for her in terms of short-term pain. He wasn't able to do that. And so I paused him at that moment. That was about half an hour into the session. All those notes, I went through them within like, what, I don't know, five, 10 minutes or something. But actually, now's a good time to reset. Give me a second. I went through those notes pretty damn quick, but that was about half an hour of me just standing there just taking notes. And I paused him at that moment and I just said to him, because he acknowledged that, and he was, he was almost saying it with confidence. He almost said with confidence that he felt it was the right decision in the moment because she was so invested in him. She wanted him to be her all and everything. Wait, 
Yes, yes, that came out correctly. I'm just making sure because I'm getting the terms right there. Yes, she wanted him to be all of her life and she was willing to do everything to move countries, to change her tuition, etc., etc., just to be with him, just to be around him. And by the way, she does know at this stage that he's not all in on her. They're still not boyfriend or girlfriend at this stage in the relationship. And so when he asked her to be his girlfriend, they had been living together for a month, I believe. I believe that came first, I think. Yes? I just want to make sure I'm correct on that. If not, if I'm wrong, it'll come back in a second. But yes, no, no, no. That was in the notes before that. They had been living together for a whole month. Correct. And so he felt that at this stage, the only right thing to do was to reciprocate her level of investment, despite the fact that he does not have the same feelings for her, does not have the strong emotional and psychological connection with her, romance and all of the, all of the above. He doesn't have any of that for her, not even close to the same degree that she has for him. But because he just doesn't want to break her heart in that moment, because he doesn't want to cause the short-term pain, that would lead to a much better long-term outcome. That confrontation is not something he can handle. That's, that conversation is not something he can handle. That he would rather just appease her now and just see maybe, even though he knows in his heart of hearts, and we talked about this towards the last seven minutes of the session in the email, a uh, couple of emails afterwards, that he always knew. He always knew that this was not gonna, they were not gonna get married. Like he, he acknowledged though that he was lying to himself. I think that might come later in my notes. He acknowledged that he was lying to himself by saying that maybe I just got into this relationship because maybe we could have learnt, you know, to kind of grow together a little bit more, etc. But but he knew that those were just rationalizations. He knew deep down he was not nearly feeling the same level of intensity of emotion towards this woman as she was feeling towards him. But he could not handle that conversation to tell her that. He could not handle telling this girl that moved countries, changed her tuition all to be with him, that this, that this was the case. So he decided that being the nice guy and being the Mr. Nice Guy of all Mr. Nice Guys, that he would just he would just see what happens. That in his words, I would just see what happens. And you guys have heard me say this again and again and again, which is that oh, let's just see what happens never ends well. It never ends well. It is always It is always much better to cause the short-term pain, regardless of whether you can or cannot see what a long-term better outcome may not be. It is always much better to cause short-term pain and just clear the slate, clear the air, get on board with each other. Just get it all out and just say, well, this is where I'm at in life. This is how I'm feeling. I'm not, if he was, if he was to say to this girl of his time, and you're probably starting to feel a lot more emotion coming out from me right now because I know where this goes. And we haven't even got into that yet. We haven't even got into the psychological trauma that is about to fall from here. The, the free fall of psychological trauma that this woman goes through because of this and but that's why it's because of this one moment this is this is the keystone moment this is the moment in which that at the end of the session when i stood there for 53 minutes just listening and just jotting down notes and prying with different questions in the last seven minutes i just let loose i let loose I almost brought him to tears because and I'll, I'll bring some more of that i want, I want to keep we'll keep that coming so i'm just coming soon <laughs> coming soon but it's, I want you guys to focus in and we have to go hard on this moment because this is where the breakdown is. This is where the complete breakdown happens. 
and that everything that happens from here is just a compensation. It's just a compensation as to trying to trying to put pieces together with glue. You know, instead of just realizing that this vase is broken and that listen, we probably just need to destroy it all together and just rebuild. You know, just just find piece cracks here, a piece cracks there, glue it to get. Well, that's what's about to happen. We'll get more into that. But just in this one, this this point right here, that you know, I didn't say what I truly felt. That's that's, yeah, man. So it's almost like I want to go into a summary. I want to go into a summary based on that, but I feel like we've dived in good enough that I want to continue the notes. We'll continue the session. So now we dive into the actual relationship together. And so actually there's something I didn't capture in the notes here, but basically, so now that they've been living together for a month, he decides that, okay, I'm just going to ask her to be my girlfriend and just, you know, just, just, just to, uh, oh, oh, wait, hold up. There was a huge event. I'm not sure if I wrote it down in the notes though. I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to. So here we go. It's coming up. I just want to make sure that I, because some, I didn't, I don't capture notes on absolutely everything, but for your guys' context, because obviously I'm there, but I make sure I'm not forgetting it. So there was this event. There was this event that once they had, it was very early on in the relationship. And this is where the, this is where warning signs, red flags are going to start to come in that this girl is definitely not the type of girl that should be in a serious committed relationship that this girl has a lot of psychological work and uh in his in his words has attachment theory and which yeah you know some people people from different schools of thoughts and different things will say hey, do, you, do you know about attachment theory did it well i'll explain more of that stuff later it's not my terminology it's his terminology i'll always delineate with that so he says to me here once the relationship began there was this event uh, is what we refer to as the train mishap, which I will just briefly summarize, which was essentially that they had arranged to meet at a certain uh, train station together after work. They were going to go home together at a certain time, right? Basically, he was a few minutes late, maybe five minutes late or something, not like half an hour, but just five minutes. She wasn't there. He gives her a call. She's gone back to the apartment because they're living together. And he goes, why didn't you meet me at the train station? And she's like extremely emotional and angry on the phone like oh just whatever just move me back at the place so warning signs already he gets back he gets back home and she's basically just like an ice block and obviously something's wrong and she verbalizes to him that well you don't care for me and uh, you just see me as a backup girl and this seems like a little abrupt it seems it seems it doesn't seem that he's done too much here to warrant this response you know he's he's only a few minutes late and she decides that, that well, this is enough to just kind of flip the lid. So there's a little bit of a warning sim- signal, and this is kind of the beginning of the red flags, if this is like just like the little beginning. So anyways, that carries on. A couple of days later, oh, wait, no. So that actually, that mishap came before they asked each other, to, before he asked her to be the girlfriend. I'm seeing here in my notes there. So that was, uh, that was, and yeah, basically when he, at the end of that, I know I'm jumping around a bit, so I'm doing my best to bring you guys up to speed. After that kind of little mini blow up and she verbalized, you know, you don't care for me. I'm just the backup girl. That's what forced him to put to put it on. Well, I'm going to have to ask this girl to be my girlfriend then. 
So that was like the instigating event to all that stuff I talked about before. Moving forward here, just, you know, hopefully that helps for your mind. <laughs> um, a couple of days later, so a couple of days later after, this is going through notes here, after he asked her to be the girlfriend, she she's starting to play the wife role a little too heavily. Even though, you know, they're just, they're just really new. They're really new in this relationship. She's starting to give him too much attention. She's like every single day when she's when he's coming home, she wants to spend half an hour, an hour just talking about his day. How was your day? And, you know, he's he's just not that type of guy. He's not. He doesn't need this level of attention. So there's some some signs there. Next note going down. She's starting to show bad behavior. When he was out uh, walking with his mate and uh, they were going to a barbecue or something, he was walking with his mate uh, a couple steps ahead of her and she was walking with the mate's girlfriend. Uh, she later blew up about this because she wa- he wasn't walking alongside with her. So basically, these really small things, these small things that really don't warrant a complete emotional uh, volcano volcanic response she was starting to show extreme signs of jealousy. These immense signs of jealousy in which that if he wasn't showing her full attention all the time, 100%, then she would misconstrue this as, well, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't want to be around me. He doesn't want me. And so this is a major red flag coming here at this point. Continuing on. Oh, and also just a little side note here. After that little barbecue blow up with emotional volcanic response, he gave her an ultimatum and said, well, listen, let's just end it right now uh, if you're going to be like this. And she smartened up and all of a sudden she uh, became like peaches and roses, peaches and cream, baby. Now, what's important about that is that the moment, give myself some tea here, the moment you give your partner an ultimatum like that, like basically if you don't change your behavior, we may as well just end it right now, that's already the end of the relationship. No relationship is going to be built and going to prosper from that foundation. That is a weak foundation. That is a foundation built upon fear. It's a, hold up, this is a really important point. Let me just get some of this other tea in. (laughs) I'm just swapping my teas out. Give me a sec. Where am I going to put this? Jesus. I'll check, I'll talk about it in a second. So, no, no relationship is going to be is going to prosper from the foundation of fear. If you're having to correct your partner's behavior based on giving them ultimatums, well, let's just end it right now. If you're going to be like this, let's just end it right now. Well, then end it there. End it then. Be done with it. Because what that says is that you guys have such a misalignment, huge misalignment across the board. It can't. You could say it so much. It would be more difficult to isolate one thing. But just if we could, right here, the fact that. Her level of deep-seated attachment to him to where she feels like he has to be giving her 100% of his attention all the time, even where there are other people, other people in the social group around them, right That right there, that should just show you red flags that, well, maybe this girl is not in the place where she should be in a serious, committed relationship. Maybe this girl has some extreme psychological attachment issues that stem back years. That's what that tells me right there off the get. Ooh, hold up, I gotta reset. Right off the get, she's showing those signs, and this is like very early on to the relationship. Well, you know you fucked up. You know you made a huge mistake. And at that point, if you're having to say to someone, even if it's like years into the relationship, you ever have to say to someone, well, let's just end it right now as a result of their acute action in the moment. That's it, you're done. 
you're done. You need to take a pause, hit it back. Obviously, that's an emotional moment. You need to come back. You need to sit down in a quiet, peaceful moment and look at, well, what's really going on here? What brought us to this position in our lives where we feel like, where I felt like I had to say to you, give you that kind of ultimatum? Because that's never the sign of a healthy relationship. If you're having to give each other ultimatums on whether the survival of the relationship is going to be, if you don't change or not, based on this one action. You know, that's like, that's a crack. That's a crack in the ice wall that stems from something much, much deeper. So anyways, moving on from the, uh, moving on from the notes here. It's just warning signs, red flags, big time. Uh... Yeah, so she's smartened up, but she's complaining that he gives others more attention than her. Uh, I'm just looking at this note here. Went out for coffee with a girl when... Oh, okay, so... Mm, this is interesting. So, uh, you don't know, she knows this, so I can say this. He went out for a coffee date with a girl from Cold Approach when his girlfriend went to Tasmania to study. So this is when the relationship now shifts to a long-distance relationship. They had been together for about a month and a month, two months in person living together. Then she had to move to Tasmania for study. I think I can say that. And he went out. Yeah, I can. And he went out for a coffee with another girl while when she was away. And he, he even said to me at the time, he was like, even though nothing progressed from there, like, so you can call that cheating if you want. And I'm like, yeah, I will call that cheating because that's psychological cheating. Obviously, if the situation had presented itself with that girl, you probably would have done something sexual. It just so happened that it did not. You guys didn't connect. So, yeah, it's still, still cheating. But, but he verbalized this to his girlfriend over Scott. And at that point, she asked him, going down my notes here, she asked him if he wants out of the relationship because coffee dates are... This, that's an open relationship thing where you're seeing other people, but that's not what we're in right now. And he finally opens up about his true feelings. He feels suffocated and he doesn't have strong feelings towards her. So this is the first time within the relationship that he's actually verbalized this, which is very interesting. She got extremely mad, of course. They didn't talk for a few days. She suggests that she comes back to him, suggesting the open relationship, but he's, but he's not. He doesn't, he doesn't jump into it, even though that seems like a great out even though that seems like exactly what they need, he doesn't take it because he knows that's not what she truly wants. And he asks her if that's what she truly wants. Do you truly want this open relationship? And she says, no, but it's what you want. So I'm giving you the freedom to have what you want by being in this open relationship, even though I know it's not what I want. And this is, again, major red flags. Look at the sacrifice that this girl is incorrectly making. This woman, is, this woman has lost her power. This woman has lost her power 100%, but she's so desperate to have this guy in her life that she's willing to, to completely change the terms and conditions of this relationship, even though it's not what she wants at all, just so that she can be around him, just so that she can be exposed to him. And that's just, it's so, it's so far off. It is, is debilitating. It's It's... It's degrading. It's degrading in the sense that she's essentially at that point saying, well, fuck it. I give up all my power to you now. I give up all my power. As long as we get to still be together in some respect, then I guess that's good enough because I can't live my life without you. And I speak about this so much. I put out so much content on this that the moment you lose your power, the moment you give up your power to walk on your own, that's it. You have no more power and that you've entered the toxicity. You've entered the all-time toxicity and that's what this woman's done at this point. And you think at this point he would finally man up and say, all right, well, listen, 
this is no good. We have to break up because I can't have this. Nope. <laughs> nope. So continuing here. Continuing on these notes. Uh, he says at this point that maybe we should break it off and maybe in the future we should get, we should get back together. We should get back together. Now, she says, fine, let's end it. Now, hold on a second. One week after the so-called breakup, she calls him to ask him for 12... (laughs) Almost, almost said it. Almost said it. I was close there. No beep action today. One, One week after the breakup, she calls him asking him for an obscene amount of money to pay for her tuition. Not going to say the exact amount, but let's just say it's in the tens of thousands of dollars. And he's he's obviously not going to, he doesn't do this. He doesn't send it to her. And she's like, it's, it's like a weird time frame as well. Like it has to be done like today. It has to send this money over today. You know, I probably could say the exact, the amount of money, but like, let me just say it's, it's, a, it's over $10,000. Let's just say that. And but she calls him up, like you said, like this this has to be done today. Otherwise, they won't let me take my course, which is BS. Like for that amount of money, they'll give you a few days extension. But anyways, he, do, he doesn't do it. And very shortly, she goes onto Facebook, shortly after, she goes onto Facebook and posts an extremely bitter Facebook post after this so-called breakup. And, and listen, my notes stop here because I just kind of keep listening from it, but I'll fill you guys in on what happened from here, which is that, and by the way, I just want to mention that all this stuff is coming pretty quick, like in the way I'm saying it, but this is over almost an hour. This guy has been telling me this stuff and all the minute details in between, which I guess I've skipped a lot over. I'll paint the emotional trauma and the psychological trauma a little bit more in the post, but I'm just going, I just want to get through this here. And so she posts this extremely bitter Facebook post, basically saying that all this like just scorned woman, scorned woman, bitter woman stuff that, and really outrageous, like basically I'll give you some of the notes of what she said, that if he doesn't call you three, five times a day, then he doesn't like you. If he doesn't call you first thing in the morning, then he doesn't, he's not in love with you. If he doesn't, if he's only calling you at the end of a day to speak for five minutes, then he doesn't love you. And if he doesn't spend all of his time with you, then he shouldn't, you shouldn't be with him. And this is like this Facebook post that she made. And by the way, she had gone, when they were in a relationship together, she only had like three mutual friends of him. But then the moment they broke up, she had like 13 mutual friends of him. This is what he's telling me. So she obviously, after this, this, this breakup, so to speak, uh, went, went and added a whole bunch of his friends on Facebook and was, I don't know, asking them God knows what and et cetera. And I don't know, trying to, I'm not sure if I, he, he wouldn't, he didn't specifically say whether she was just like shit talking him, but maybe she was just trying to see like what's, what's going on, what's, what's happening with him, et cetera, et cetera. Just her, her, her attachment, incredible. And, and so I'm just, I'm realizing now that I haven't, well, I'm about to, I'm about to, I will paint I gotta take a breath here for a second. This is like nonstop. I'm gonna paint what's going on with this woman in a second, a little bit more. But I'm so yeah, my notes stop there. Yeah, so anyways, moving on. So I'm just trying trying to make sure I keep things in the right chronological frame. So that yeah, the Facebook post happens and and they went silent for a little bit, but after that, maybe like for a couple of days. But then after that, 
Uh, she tries to get back in contact with him. And basically, she completely folds, even after all this bitterness and this anger towards him and this really unjust uh, Facebook post. She comes back to him saying, I need you. I need you in my life. I, I, whatever you want, I'll do it. Whatever you want, whatever we need to do, I just need you to be in my life. She, even after all this extremely bitter and hateful stuff towards him. And, you know, what this shows is that, and he was able to realize that himself, is that that Facebook post and and the anger and the resentment and her getting angry about him wanting to being okay with the ending of it was that essentially she acted out of a place of, well, the only way I can get attention from this guy is if I spit fire. You know, if, if even if we can't be in a prosperous, healthy relationship together, I just need to hear from him. I just need to get the acknowledgement from him that I am a human being and that that makes her, that's where she's deriving her sense of fulfillment and purpose in life is that as long as this guy acknowledges me, then that's good enough. So even if it means I have to post hateful shit on Facebook and that causes a reaction from him and then I'll do it, then I'll do it because then at least he'll speak to me. At least it'll give him some reason to speak to me. And as you can see, the trauma for a woman to be in this position it is outrageous. It's ridiculous. And we're going to get start to get to some to some remedy. We're going to start to get into some understanding where she's at and how she got brought to this position because it's really easy to say, well, she's just a crazy bitch. It's, it's too easy to say she's just insane. It's too easy to say that she's got far too many psychological issues, which she does, but it's not actually not the biggest ticket. The biggest ticket is how she was led to this position and how him as the masculine frame the masculine stronghold led her and lack of masculine, ma- lack of frame, lack of masculine stronghold led her to this level of psychosis, which I would at this stage, and I haven't painted enough. So actually, let me hold up on that. So now that I've gone through the major context and all my notes here, what I want to do is bring this back together because I realized that it is very different. I've never really gone this in depth on session notes from one of my private one-on-one coaching sessions. But I feel like it's it's a different it's a change up. It gives you guys a different look. It gives you a different look into my mind. But now I'm going to start to really bring this uh, together and really summarize this together for you, and really start to bring the mind in. And actually, something that bring it together, something I wasn't able to do was I did not paint the level of psychological trauma that this woman was going through during the relationship itself, just over a couple month periods. I I gave you a couple examples. I gave you a couple notes of her just kind of freaking out and flipping out over him not loving her enough and him not, you know, reciprocating the same true feelings, etc. But I just need to reiterate here and actually just really paint out that this was happening almost on the daily, almost on the daily, multiple times a week, that she would just have these emotional outbursts around him not reciprocating the same level of intensity of emotion and feeling towards her. And that she just off off the craziest whim, off the smallest thing, like he was five minutes late or he was talking to, like there was this one example of where they were, they were entertaining some new housemates and that just because he decided to do a little extra cleaning up because he's got these new housemates coming in and they're going to, you know, show him a good night, do a barbecue, you know, have an entertainment night. He decided to do a little extra vacuuming as you would for someone when you got new people coming over and she just completely flipped out, 
because you're like, well, you never do this for me. You never show me this level. You don't go to this extreme effort for me, extreme in quotes. And she's just showing, and what this really is, what this is really coming out as is that if you look at why, why is she flipping out like this? Why is she getting so emotionally involved and wrapped up in things that don't seem to really matter that much and it's just so inaccurate you just look at her attachment that what she's trying to show you here and this is her way of i guess her best attempt at reeling him in and keeping him keeping him focused on her and this is something that if you look at it's exactly I've, i talk about this uh, a little bit more of my non-cold approach based clients which is the child in the supermarket the child that's throwing the tantrum in the supermarket, that if the child doesn't get what it wants, the child wants a lollipop, but the mom's not giving her the lollipop, the best way to get the lollipop is to freak out about not getting the lollipop and just throw an absolute shit show of a scene and hope that the mom gives in. And that this is what you see with uh, eighth, place trophy, eighth place trophy kids that get upset over everything, that feel like they have to be rewarded for everything and feel like that everything has to be get, come their way and just also, not just that, but also kids that grow up later on in life to be adults that have no emotional resilience, that have no ability to to walk on their own in all senses of that psychological term in my phrasing. Because somewhere along in their social development earlier on, their mum caved. Now, their mum caved or their parents caved in a moment in which they shouldn't have. And that when they, through trained behavior, they showed that, well, if I act poorly and if I show bad behavior to a certain extreme, to such an extreme that it forces this person, whether it be my parents, whether it be my sexual partner, to cave, well, then that's it. I got rewarded. So it doesn't matter with the means. As long as I got to the end result, I'll just keep repeating the means that got me to that end result. So this is why I say in relationships, you never reward bad behavior. If you reward bad behavior, it's now your fault. Which is why, and that's actually the major lesson of this entire session with my guy. And with this, and we'll get more towards this and it's going to start to come out. Which is that the reason why her psychological trauma and the amount of pain that she went through and all of this shit was his fault is because he kept rewarding it. And we're going to get more to this towards the end. This is going to happen a little bit more towards, I don't want to, I don't want to get to it, get to it too early yet because it's not quite, we're not quite there yet. I have not fully painted out her psychosis yet. So there's this there's this there's this event. There's this event with the with the housemates and she flips out because of that. And every time that she flips out, and this is what I want to paint here, every time that she throws an an emotional tantrum, every time she throws an emotional tantrum over him doing something slightly slightly not even directly negative towards her but just shows the absence of attention towards her she flips out because what that signals to her is that oh fuck if he shows even a little bit of attention towards someone else well well then that means well what if that happens again tomorrow what if that happens more in a week what if that means in a month's time he doesn't really want to be with me and all of a sudden i've rearranged my entire life i've moved countries i've changed my tuition and this is what's this going to mean for my life and by the way her friendship circle, her family circle. She, you know, she he shows he tells me towards the end that when they finally, when he finally asked her out, and she was so happy, she was so relieved. She just felt like 
you know, a whole wave of pressure was taken off her shoulders because all of her family back home in her country and her friends have been saying, it's never going to work out. Why are you chasing this guy? It's never going to work out. You know, this is a fool's errand. You're on a fool's errand. But she thought, no, no. If I just keep, if I keep giving myself to him, if I keep sacrificing everything for this guy, eventually he'll turn around and he'll love me. That was her mindset. That was her mindset. And so the moment that he actually... For be- I was going to say for better or worse, for 100% worse, the moment that he asked her to be his girlfriend, he's essentially validating her struggle through all of her life, through her friendship circle, her family circle. And so now you can see, now you can see why the emotional tantrums, now you can see why the emotional freakouts and volcanic eruptions, every time he shows a little distancing, every time he shows even if it's not a direct show of that, but just not a direct show of full devotion towards her to the point where he can't, well, he can't walk on his own, walk three feet in front of her with someone else without her feeling like, oh shit, it's all crumbling. It's all falling apart. The relationship is falling apart. This guy doesn't love me. This guy isn't going to be, isn't going to be the father of my children. He's not going to be the one I get married to. I'm going to have to face my friends and family and say, oh, we told you so. We told you so. You're on that fool's errand, right? That's that's why you can so you can see how that where this emotional uh, uh what's the word pathology this pathology this psychological pathology is coming from. It's not just that she's insane. Like it's too easy to say that someone's just she's just an insane girl. She's just a crazy bitch. You know when guys guys love to chalk that up. Guys love to chalk up when they are receiving outwardly on the surface level pretty insane actions from a woman they'll chalk it up to me oh she's just a crazy bitch you know you know that that uh video it's a whole it's a whole podcast i made called how to deal with feisty alpha females i talked about that girl to walk away from it would have been too easy for me at that point just to say well this girl is just a crazy bitch but if you actually take the time to dive into why this might be happening? Why would a woman be presenting with this psychological trauma and this this way of being? You can start to realize, actually, it's pretty deep-seated. It's the fact that she's invested her entire life in this guy, and most importantly, he is enabling this. He And that's the major thing here, which is why I talked about you have to give her what she needs, not what she wants. That's where this is going to start to come in now. Because if you look at what's been happening this entire story, he's just been giving her what she wants. He'd been giving her what she wants this entire time. And as you can see, when you give someone what they want in the short term, that is not necessarily what they need in the long term. And that the saving of short-term pain is only going to lead to long-term catastrophe, right? Just because you you save the short-term pain when this girl, you know, years ago, years ago, he should have been up front with this girl saying that, listen, when I don't have the same feelings for you, you're not the woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And that's, listen, it's nothing against you, but it's just, I don't have those same feelings. So it's better that we cut it off now before things get too deep, before you get too deeply invested. And this is, well, hold on. Well, let's ride on this then. Well, that's it. That's it. That's why I said to this guy at the end that, listen, this, I said to him at the end, after 53 minutes of listening to this story, listening to all of her emotional flip outs, her emotional pain, these, these crazy examples of her just, just completely freaking out. Right, and just listening to her, just her having to deal on the day to day with whether this guy truly loves her or not, and then finally, when the breakup happened and she reacted in that way, the crazy Facebook post, and when at the end of all of this, 
and that she comes back and she says, I just need you to be in my life. And she verbalizes that to him. And I said to him at the end of all of this, listen, mate, whose fault is this? I said to him at the end of this, I said, once he's done talking, I said to him, listen, I just have to ask you one question. Whose fault is all of this? And he was actually truly able to say to me, it's my fault. I said to him, but be more clear, be more accurate. Her emotional trauma, her emotional psychological, psychological misgivings is the, the term I use, which is polite, but basically her psychosis, basically her, her, her social, almost sociopathic, almost, almost needs to be put in an asylum type level of shit. Who's, who's at fault for that? Is it her fault? And he goes, no, it's not her fault. It's my fault because I put her in a position. I put her in that position. I was the one who put her in the position to go down that path of leading her on thinking that, well, maybe someday this might be something more than what it is. Maybe someday I, I, I will be the man that, that will love her in the way that she desires and that she, uh, that really that she deserves, absolutely. I led her on through that, all because I was not willing to say to her at the get, off the beginning, that this was never going to happen. This was never going to be the thing. Let me reset here. He fully acknowledged. He had no confusion around the fact that this is my fault. That if I had just at the beginning, if I just said in that first initial conversation, just when things were kind of starting to kick off, that listen, we, got, we can't do this. We can't do this. I understand that I am the best thing in your life right now and that's the way that you see it and that you will do everything to sacrifice to be with me. However, I need you to understand that number one, that's not a healthy place to come from. No relationship should be set up on that, on that foundation. Even if it's reciprocated. Even if it's reciprocated. Even if you and your partner are at a place where like, where it's like, oh, we need each other so badly, we love each other so much and that we would do everything for each other. Right? Even that, if it, when it's mutually reciprocated, it's still not a good foundation for a relationship. Because at some point, at some point, what you're going to realize, and it's going to be sooner rather than later, which is that that cannot sustain a human being. You cannot live your life for someone else. You cannot live your life and being the purpose primarily that centered around being someone else. It just cannot, it's not a foundation. Because the moment that that person does something to cause a riff, which all human beings are going to do, none of us are perfect. At the moment that that person slips up, the moment they slip up, it's going to force you to realize that, oh shit, I'm way too deep on this person. You get into your first argument over some minute, minutia, deep bullshit detail. And all of a sudden you realize, fuck, fuck, I need this person. And you get into this little rift and you have that little two-day silence. And all of a sudden your entire life gets uprooted because your entire purpose was centered around this other person. And that the moment that this shows, that this now shows you, oh, what if this person wasn't in my life? What if this girl leaves me? What if this guy leaves me? Fuck. And there the rabbit hole continues from. So I was talking on the mutual reciprocation there. Of that, it's still not a good place. But in this example, it's not mutually reciprocated. It's completely one-sided that this girl is willing to uproot her entire life, sacrifice herself for him. He's not reciprocating any of that. So if he just at the beginning, and this is what acknowledging at the end of our session, like, is that it's my fault because I knew this. I always knew this. Maybe I was making rationalizations, and maybe in the in the beginning, I was saying to myself that, well. 
yeah, yeah, he's just you know, saying to himself, maybe, maybe we could, I could learn to love her, etc. It's that type of vibe. Even if it's not those words, it's that type of vibe. But he knows. He knows. And he said to me at the end, he fronted up with me and goes, but I always knew. I always knew that this was never going to be the thing that she needed, that she wanted. And that I never should have given it to her. I never should have given her the false expectation that this was going to be anything more than something just kind of on and off kind of casual you know we, we have some fun every now and again that's about it but because he was not he's too nice of a guy he was far too nice of a guy he was not willing to have that painful conversation in the short term so instead he went down years of on and off giving her this expectation and then acutely within two months actually to the point where he was so he realized she was so deep in on him at this point that he felt like he was backed into a corner that he actually had to ask her to be his girlfriend because he felt that that was a better decision that at least that would stop her from going into complete meltdown and that instead of sending her into complete meltdown by breaking it up, by realizing this is not healthy, this is not a place we should be in and that we need to separate right now, instead of that, well, I guess I just have to become her boyfriend. And then, and, and so... As you can see, it's not rational. It makes no sense because it's just, it's yes, it's saving short-term pain. But what happens next? Obviously, you're not going to be happy in this relationship. Obviously, you're going to be looking for ways subconsciously to get out of this relationship, aka going on coffee dates with other girls, etc., cheating, etc. Obviously, all these things are going to manifest. So what were you thinking? It's like, what were you thinking? I even said that to him. I was like, so while you're making all these short-term-based decisions, did you ever think about what was going to happen after? Did you ever think about what this does to her afterwards? And at the end, he goes, no, it's like, it's like I was just Adam, I was too nice of a guy. It's like, I just, I just could not have that, that because she was never going to do it. You have to realize this. This is why I say that. And why I want to read you my email summary to him. Let me just bum this up. Actually, it's, it's right there. Let me get this. I want to read you my email summary because this is pretty powerful. Or well, it's one particular part from it. Oh, maybe. No, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah, okay. I'll read you the beginning of this email. So, which I said, you know, I said to him, you know, you got to give her what she needs, not what she wants. There is only one person at fault for the tremendous amount of pain that you have endured during your relationship, and it's you. In a relationship, the masculine sets the frame, the masculine decides what is and what is not acceptable from a standpoint of this is where our relationship is going. And ultimately, he does decide whether this continues or not. By you not being 100% direct, congruent, and authentic with her right from the beginning, you only set her up to fail. You only set her up to fail. Like it's, it's just, it's, it, can't, it can't be said any other way. It can't be able to say way. And now some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, doesn't she have any responsibility in this? Doesn't she have any responsibility for her psychological breakdown, for her extreme attachment? Shouldn't she know better? Shouldn't she know? Because obviously this is not like the first time this is happening in her life. These guys are adults. They're adults. They're like, I'm not sure how old she is, but she's not that young. She's not that young. And so shouldn't she be aware at least of her own behavior and be able to at least come to him and say, listen, well, I'm starting to feel this deep level of attachment to you in which I, it's probably not healthy. And I've, I realized I've made some big mistakes here. 
and maybe at these little emotional blow-ups, shouldn't she should be responsible for her own self-awareness to look at her own behavior and go, well, that wasn't rational. That made no sense. He was just walking three feet in front of me with one of his friends. That doesn't mean that he doesn't, that, that this all of a sudden is like a complete reflection of where we are in our relationship. Shouldn't she be responsible for some of that? Yes. Like, listen, of course, of course, there's a level of responsibility she needs to take for her self-awareness, but it's not the full. And it's, this is my point here, which is that she would never have been put in that position if he'd cut it off immediately. None of this happens. None of her psychological trauma, none of her emotional volcanic breakdowns and meltdowns ever had to happen if he had been the direct, congruent, authentic man at the beginning of this, and when she said to him, listen, I want to move my life, I want to uproot my life and sacrifice everything just to be around you, and when he knew that he was not going to be able to reciprocate that, and even if he did want to reciprocate that, never should have anyway, that's a tremendously shaky foundation, not even a foundation to begin a relationship with, but if he had cut it off at the pass, cut it off at the get, this never would have happened. She never would have had to be put in a position to have to be self-aware and self-responsible for those emotional breakdowns because those emotional breakdowns never happen. They never happen if he had stopped her from getting into that position and that only by enabling this attachment, this straight up, straight up deep, dark attachment that just keeps getting worse and worse that each day that goes by that he allows her to believe that he will one day be the man and reciprocate the feelings that she has for him and be the person that she wants him to be for her. Every day that goes by that he enables that hope, he's only deeply entrenching her. He is only allowing her attachment to get the claws of that attachment to just sink in a little deeper each day, each day, a little more hope. Even if he's not directly showing it, that's what he's doing indirectly. So that's why at the end I say, who's at fault for this? Who's at fault for this? 100% him. None of, this, none of this happens. As you can see, because she was never going to be the one. She was never going to be the one. And this is what someone want to wrap up towards the end of their relationship, which is that she keeps contacting him. She keeps saying, you know, we need to talk. We need to talk, et cetera, et cetera. Even once they kind of decide to break up, you know, but he keeps he keeps coming back. He keeps sending her messages just to say, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" He's sending her messages like this, and that's only that's only pouring more alcohol into her glass. And this is what I said to him, which is that, "Listen, mate, she's drunk right now. This woman can't see clearly through through the through the psychosis of her attachment. She can't see clearly." She is not a rational, functioning human being right now. She, her perspective of reality is that you are it. That you are it. You are her reality. And that every time you send her a message, even though you're quote-unquote broken up, and I know you're just trying to be a nice guy. I know you're just trying to make sure that she's not going to go into suicide or try and do something really rash. And that you just want to send a message just saying, how are you? Are you okay? Etc. But what you don't realize is that for someone who sees you and perceives you as their entire reality, that that is only pouring, and that that drunk, that drunken haze, which they cannot perceive reality accurately, you're only pouring more alcohol into that glass. Every time you contact her, you, you just pour a little bit more, and she can have a little extra sip. You know, it's just a little more oxygen to her flame. And so what you need to do is that if you want to help her, you have to cut her off 100%. This is some straight tactics here. 
listen, guys, if you're dealing with a girl that is super attached to you, there's only one thing you can do to help her. And that is cut her off 100%. Just no oxygen, no more alcohol, no more drinking that glass. Give her nothing. Because you might think, well, that seems like so cold and such a dick move. No, it's only such a cold and dick move if you continue to do that for her. If you continue to give her that little ray of sunshine, that little bit of hope that maybe this guy might be the guy that I want him to be for me. That's, can you not see like that's, that's what leads to two years and two months of just pain, straight pain, straight trauma. So my question to you is, would you rather give someone a short-term acute trauma and short-term pain of that not cut her off cold? This is not going to be what you want it to be. I'm sorry, we're out. Yeah, she's going to be crying for a week. She's going to be upset for a couple of weeks, but then she can move on with her life. You can actually give her the opportunity to move on with her life. Let me just reset here. So yes, you have to cause that short-term pain, but you actually gave her the opportunity to move on with her life. And that in the long term, don't you think that's a much, don't you think that's much better? So you have that, or you don't cause any short-term pain. You be the Mr. Nice Guy. You don't be direct, congruent, authentic. You allow her to believe that this could be something more when you know it's never going to be. And then you cause her two years, two years of pain, indefinite pain. It's indefinite. Until you actually man up and actually get to the point at which you say, that, well, listen, we can't do this anymore. Until you are actually willing to have that finite moment when you say, this is it, this is done. Until you actually get to that point, you're just going to cause indefinite pain. So what would you rather? Would you rather that just like, maybe it is on the scale of zero to 10, it's going to feel like a 10, like a 10 or like just like a sword to, a sword to the throat. It might feel like that straight blade to the throat, but at least you can actually, it's not a full cut. You know, it might seem like it, it might feel like it, but actually you will be able to repair and you give someone the opportunity to move forward with their lives and to get out of that drunken haze in which that, oh, actually give the woman the opportunity to realize that this guy is not your full reality, that there are many, many other things in this life worth living for, that there are many other purposes to be found, that there are many other sexual partnerships and romantic relationships that to be found in this life that go well beyond this one person. It's just that you're drunk on this one person right now. So as you can see, not only is it 100% his fault, but it's just it's a further colder move. It is much colder. It is much more of a dick move to just string someone along because you're not willing to give them that short-term kick in the, right now. You're not willing to give them the pain right now. And, you only, and in doing that, you only cause much, much more pain over the long term. And it just compounds. It gets worse and worse gets worse and worse. You have to give her what she needs, not what she wants. You know, it's, it seems like common sense. It seems like common sense. And I often, oftentimes in these, in these relationship stories and in these social dynamic stories, it's really easy for us to play the, uh, to play the post-show, the post-show reporter to play the ESPN post show and look back and go, well, this is what they should have done. That's what they should have done. And you think, why couldn't this guy see this over such a long period of time as well? Why couldn't he see this? Why couldn't the girl see this? And it's because of this thing called emotions. It's because we get drunk on emotions. Our perception of reality is distorted when we get emotionally intertwined with someone in which that it's not easy to see someone's psychological psychosis, their psychosis. It's not easy to see this person's level of attachment. And even if you can see it, it's a completely different thing to act upon the correct decision. 
It's a completely different thing that knowing full well for the next two weeks, I'm probably going to completely destroy this girl's life. It is much harder in the real moment, in the true moment, to actually execute that, even if you know full well that it's a much better decision than just stringing her along for the next two years with a much shorter level term of pain. Almost no pain in that time, at least from the standpoint of, well, it still gives her hope. You know, because you feel like, well, what's the difference between it's either going to be some hope or no hope? To her, right now, no hope probably looks like the absolute worst. And if I just give her some hope, but as you can see, it's never going to work out. It's never going to work out. But in the ESPN post show, we can always break it down because we don't have the emotional attachment. We don't have the emotional involvement, I should say. We're not involved emotionally. So I do have compassion for both of them, which is why I always, I wrapped up saying to him at the end of our session saying that, Listen, mate, you need to let go of this experience now. And I know that you're very emotional at the end of this session. You're almost crying because I'm kicking you the straight deal saying that, listen, it's your fault. 100% your fault. All of her psychological trauma and pain was your fault. You enabled it. You did not stay true to the principles of a masculine stronghold that was willing to show this distorted perception of reality that this woman is feeling and seeing. You You weren't able to do any of that. So you caused all of this pain. You have to take ownership of that, but you also have to let go of that experience. Now that this experience is done, it's in the past, let go. Cut Number one, how do you help her? You cut her off 100%. She's drunk. She can't see clearly. And if I go back to this email here, she needs time on her own to let go of you. She needs time to realize that you aren't the only man in the world. She needs time to heal on her own. So let go of her fully. Stop messaging her. Okay, that's how you help her. How do you help yourself? You let go of the experience, but you never forget the lesson. You let go of this experience, but you never forget the lesson. That's how you move forward. The experience is done. It's in the past. You can't change it now. You know, it might hurt you. It might be, it might sting. It might be an extremely, tremendously traumatic experience to go back and reflect on this and go, oh, I pretty much caused all of this pain for this person and I, I, I messed up this person's life for that, for the time that we were together. I messed up this person's life and they're probably going to have a very long recovery period. It's probably going to take them a long time to recover from this. And it's pretty much all my fault. Yes. Yes. It's painful. And you have to accept that. And you have to take acknowledgement of that, but you don't hold on to it. You let it go. Let that experience go. And you just take the lesson from it and you never repeat it. You never repeat that mistake. As long as you learn from it, you, have, you are entitled to let go of any experience as long as you learn from it. And it's truly the only way to move forward. You can't move forward until you let go. And that the people in this current moment, all the beings in the current present moment, they deserve the best of you. And they can never truly receive the best of you if you're stuck holding on to the past. So let go of it, my friend. But take the lesson with you and ride into that, into your next relationships. He asked me at the end, so... How long should I process this for? Should I go out and meet new women? You know, should, should I take some time off, etc.? And I say to him, listen. Absolutely, you should open yourself up. One of the best ways to show yourself that you have, in fact, let go of that experience is to move forward into something new. A lot of people harbor their hurt lockers and it manifests as, well, I just won't meet anyone new. Well, I won't try anything new. I won't try a new experience. Right? And what that just shows is that, well, you haven't really let go because you don't feel entitled. But listen, the moment you decide, there, there is no three months and 27 days and then you can then you can start meeting new people. No, 
is that you just truly decide today that I made the mistake in the past. I acknowledge that. I take acknowledgement. I take full responsibility for it. And now I take that lesson to the new. We're coming to the new. And that, and you might seem to some people like, well, no, he shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be meeting new people. You shouldn't, you should, what, 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 is he going to fester on this for the rest of his life? No. No, I think even for, the, I've said this before in other podcasts, even for the most heinous of crimes, even for the most ridiculous of, we're talking about murder, we're talking about rape, we're talking about all these things that forgiveness needs to happen. If you ever wanted someone to move forward, right, forgiveness needs to happen. You don't forget the lessons, so they don't repeat, right? And people, and you, and you pay for it. You pay for it with your own psychological trauma, absolutely. But I spoke about this with, uh, and there's some great examples from this from the Dalai Lama, uh, his personal story, uh, forgiving the Chinese. Uh, pretty much almost decimated his his people, etc. And he's able to forgive them. You know, if he can if he can forgive them, you can forgive yourself. And the way that you forgive yourself is that you just let go. So absolutely, that this guy can move forward and meet new people. And I recommend it to him. If it was me, the very next day, one of the best ways to show yourself that you have let go is that you bring something new into your life. And you know, however long that takes you to get to that point, that's on you. That's your decision. I'm not going to tell you though, go out tomorrow or go out five days or go out in three months. All I'm saying is that do the internal engineering, do the work within yourself to get to the place where you can acknowledge your mistakes and move forward, right? There's, there, is no, there is no love. There is no love in withholding the best of yourself to the present moment and all of the beings that reside within it. All of the beings that reside within it, your friends, your family, they deserve the best of you and they will never receive that if you are caught on the past and you are stuck there. So you owe it to them. If not for yourself, you owe it to them. Otherwise, why are you existing? Right? It's, it's a very selfish life to walk through this life harboring the pain of the past and not giving the best to the people right now. It's extremely selfish. Take a deep breath, my friends. Hmm. Man, I feel like I just ran a mile with that. I feel like we ran an absolute mile with that. I really emptied my soul. And I'm just I'm just going back over my summary email here. And I guess this is where we will enter like a full summary. Yeah. We'll wrap this up. Just on giving her what she needs and what and what she not what she wants. That's a general principle in general. Uh, that's, that's a general principle in general. That's a general human principle, a social dynamic principle, which is that. If you wish to live that harmonious life, and it might seem counterintuitive that in order to live the harmonious life, you have to cause a tremendous amount of pain in this moment right now, but it's only because you're allowing for the future. You're allowing for someone to grow. You're allowing for someone to move on. And then when we look at this story of this, these two people, yes, I, yes, absolutely, this woman uh, has so much work to do on her own. She has. This woman is by no means fit to be in a serious relationship with anyone. Right, she's got much, much work to do. But make no mistake, in any relationship, there can only be one leader, and it's the one with the masculine energy. It's not the man, it's the one with the masculine energy. There are there are plenty of heterosexual relationships where the woman has more masculine energy and the man plays uh, the feminine role. It's it's not it's not the common, it's not the average, right? It's probably ten, it's it's one out of nine, uh, sorry, one out of ten, it's two out of ten. But even if you just look at lesbian relationships, 
One has more masculine energy, one has more feminine. So don't get caught on whether it's man versus woman. That's not what this is. Let me reset it. But in the average heterosexual relationship, the man must lead. The man will, generally speaking, have more masculine energy, and it is him that sets the frame. That's what I was saying to him, which is that if you, regardless of whether the woman should be responsible for her psychological I keep, I want to find a better word for misgivings. It's just, it's too loose. I want to find a more sh- a sharper word for that. It's just not popping up in the moment right now. But it's not trauma either. It's, what's the word? It's for her, you know, it's, I, it is, I used the word psychosis before. And that is kind of what it is. But, you know, for her faults, psychological faults, let's use that. Probably should have used that at the beginning. Regardless of whether the woman should be responsible for her psychological faults or not, absolutely. I'm not saying she's not responsible for that. However, whether she was put into that position, that relies within you. If you're the, ma- if you're the masculine being, listen to this. The masculine being sets that frame of whether this is acceptable or not. And if you know from the beginning, at, at, at any point, if at any point in a relationship, you start to see a psychological fault and you don't address it and you don't bring it up, it's your fault. It's your fault. You let it continue. You, as I went back to the, the 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 kid in the supermarket, the moment that the parent recognizes that this kid is throwing a trauma because he's not getting the lollipop, and the moment that kid that happens, the first time it happens, that parent has a decision to make: Do I enable this behavior or do I cut it off? Do I disable it? Do I say no? Well, fine. You can sit there on the ground and cry, but you're not getting the lollipop. Right? That would be someone in our example here. That would be the man saying, like, "Oh, hold up." This is unacceptable behavior. You can't just fall off. You can't just uproot your life. And this is not recommended. And I would not suggest that you uproot your entire life to come into a relationship with me when we're not even in a relationship. And I don't feel the same feelings for you. Yes, seems cold, seems harsh. But it it, it at least stays off the possibility of her forming a much deeper level of psychosis and psychological trauma and being at psychological fault of repeating those mistakes. Because you didn't enable it. You disabled it right from the beginning. Same thing in the supermarket. But the moment that parent decides, actually, this is acceptable. I will give them the lollipop. I'll cave. I'll cave because I want to be the nice dad. I want to be the nice mom. So I'll give them the lollipop right now. What does that do to the kid? Trains the kid that if I repeat this behavior, I will see this result. And that's, so that's why I say is that the masculine being in any relationship is responsible. It is responsible for these, these, this nature. This nature of psychological faults that repeat. If it repeats, you're not responsible. For my masculine beings out there that are listening to this, you're not responsible for her psychosis, for her when it comes to the what she brought to this relationship. That obviously stemmed well before you even knew her. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you're responsible for that being allowed to repeat. For you, for that being a trained behavior. If you train that, if you allow her to that, this is acceptable. And that she can continue this. That's your fault. It's 100% your fault. And we look at this relationship between my client and this girl. And that's why we both came to the end of this at our conversation together saying, listen, whose fault was it? And he, he just very calmly accepted and goes, it's mine. It's mine. She never would have been had to be put in that position to show me that level of psychological trauma and psychosis if I had just cut it off in the beginning. Right? And then she has her own stuff to deal with. So you have, listen, it's, it, seems, it seems harsh. It seems ridiculously harsh to have to kick people with a straight deal so early on. 
But listen, you're only causing them so much more pain in the long term if you don't. If you don't, and if you really want the best for someone, you tell them how it is from the beginning. You don't sugarcoat it. You don't give them false expectations of maybe we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens is just as bad as saying, yep, this is fine. We'll see what happens is essentially the same as this is fine. This is okay. You're just not willing to say that. And I'd I'd highly encourage you to acknowledge this in all areas of your relationships. Where in your relationships are you letting people slide when you know that it's not acceptable? And where and that and please recognize that if they do act up in future, it's not their fault. It's yours because you did not bring it up. You did not train them, and it's unfair to expect someone to change their own behavior when they aren't even aware of it. You know this girl. This is what I say is like when we say, is she responsible for her own psychosis? Absolutely. Absolutely. However, if you aren't even willing to bring it up and make her aware of it, well, then it's on you. Then it's on you. Don't expect someone to change when you aren't willing to tell them what they need to change. If you aren't willing to say that this is in fact a problem, how are they ever going to get to the point where they realize that this is a problem? It's like you're asking too much of someone there. Asking far too much of someone there. Give people what they need, which is that medicine in that moment is pain. That might seem harsh, but that's how you create. That's how you create men and women of respect. That's how you create a respectable human being, that you tell them what they need to hear when they need to hear it, and you don't allow them to slide through life on on roller skates. You You don't give them that easy out. You show them the way. You show them the way. And if the way right now is through absolute pain, so be it. So be it. I'd much rather that. I'd much rather the way be through absolute pain right now so that I have an opportunity to grow and become someone better in the long term than have a shorter way and have an easier way but never actually fully evolve and never fully grow. It's, you can see it's like night and day. It's so much common sense in the ESPN post show. <laughs> but it's it has to be reiterated. It has to be drilled in. And I made this mistake many times myself, which is why I'm... I'm, I'm uh, I want to go hard on it. I wanted to go really deep into it. I made this mistake before. And uh, and I had to pay for it as well. I had to pay for it as well. At least my mistake didn't last two and a half years. I can say that. It lasted about it was six months. Six months past the point that I knew that relationship should have ended. But uh, that was six months uh, where I was fucking up. That was six months where I look back and go, you never get that six months back. Time never rewinds. You never get time back. So every single day that you know you're in a in a unhealthy misaligned relationship, just know that you're never getting that time back. Just know that the 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 people around you don't get that time back. You know, every time that you every moment you live in this life where you're not operating on your best, the people around you receive that as well. They receive a lesser version of you. They don't get that back. You know, you, we never think about this. You never think about it. We're also self-focused. You don't realize that every single day that you spend in your own psychological pain, you don't realize that you're also simultaneously not bringing the best of yourself to others around you and that they're not receiving the best. Every day that you go around acting bitter, angry, and depressed, and that you feel like, oh, this, and you're so wrapped up in what this is about what it means for you, you don't realize what that means for your friends and your family, your kids, your, your parents, your, your colleagues, and that they have to receive that from you. It just seems, it seems so selfish to me. It seems so selfish to me. 
And so I feel like we should always just be doing our best, just doing our best just to enlighten our attachments in life, our shortcomings in life, where we're fucking up, where we can be improving. And just, it's a constant process. And I'm not saying that perfection happens right now and that perfection is the journey. The ju- but that is the journey. The journey is to perfection. The journey is to perfection. And will you ever achieve that? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say yes, but I also can't say no. All I know is that that is the way for me anyway. That as long as each day you just do your best, you do your absolute best. And it's not to say they're going to be a perfect angel every single day. It's not, it's not going to happen. Well, at least I've, I haven't met someone where someone could do that. But we all respect the person that tries. We all respect the person that, regardless of the skills they have at hand, regardless of the tools at hand, we respect the person that does their best. And so if that's enough right now, great. If it's not enough right now, great as well. You keep on learning. You keep on evolving. And that's where I'm going to just wrap this up. i wrap this up for all those of you that are in relationships. Please, please have the open, direct, open communication with your partners and do not be afraid to cause short-term pain. Because listen, you're only causing far more pain in the long term by saving that short term. You cause far more pain in the long. So I thank you all so much for diving in here. This has been an absolute, uh, it's been a session. Session. Absolute session. So the outro is going to come. But I I just thank you all so much for, uh, if you are listening to this, just for the fact that you are alive right now. I respect that. I respect you for being here. So thank you. Run that outro. Thank you so much for diving into this pod, my friends. I'm ridiculously grateful and humbled that you're even here. So thank you. If you could, please drop me your feedback in a comment on YouTube down below. Slide me a DM on the gram at Uwitang1, best place to connect with me. Now, that being said, this episode is brought to you by Bulldozer.com, where you guys can pick up my Crash Course to Kick-Ass Day Game eBook. You can book one-on-one Skype coaching, ongoing packages in the Bowl Insider. You can also dive in for those deep immersive boot camps all through boldojo.com and if you would like to send a little something to support this potter you can do so through the paypal link which is paypal.me forward slash a-d-a-m-o-o-i links in the descriptions all that's all down below and anything you guys donate is received with uh, absolute humility thank you so much for all of you that do i really appreciate it and yeah i'm wishing you guys the best in your journeys wishing the best in your life much peace and much joy Ciao.